The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of this, the Roto World Football Podcast. It's the official podcast of the Roto World Football section of Roto World. Hence the Roto World Podcast. My name is Josh Nortz. That's John Daigle. That's Ian Harditz. Boys, gentlemen, how are we today? Week 15, Josh. Great day to be great. I know. Week 15, only three left. Only two oh, left. Really? In the Just two, Daigle? Usually, yeah. There are some leagues that go into week 17, though. There will be a week 17 waiver wire column. Yes. There'll not be, there'll be a, a recap podcast at the end of week 16 as well, but not one for week 17. Look, you know, I'm not saying I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not minding that the season is wrapping you up. You know, three Sundays left. That's all we have. <laughs> season never wraps up. Never? Off season's a mess. We'll be here for the playoffs. Thanks for asking how I'm doing. Hey, well, you and I shared a few bottles of wine this weekend. Yeah, we hung out. After- Thanks for the invite. Well, you were in you Columbus, Ohio. Here. I was in Chicago, actually. Chicago. But, yeah. After after complaining that you never we never hang out, we hung out on Saturdays. <laughs> we did. We drank some sweaty wine. Uh, and Manhattan's from a jar. Yeah. Yep. And uh, then we sang karaoke in a Tesla. Wow. Not my Tesla. Did we do that? We did that at I the end. I don't recall that part. Well, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, I also feel Sunday like though. I slept at the office last night because it feels like we were just here. You know, messenger bags aren't the best pillows, but you know that's what the place underneath the desk is for. It's it was just to take a little nap. It was another late night in the NBC office, which is usually the case on these huge slates. Yep. But that's why the review pod's out. Yeah, and you all should go listen to that. It's up on your feeds right now, right before this. Big, big weekend of football. Some great matchups. San Francisco mm-hmm. 49ers, Bills, Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs. Go back and review that episode. We'll get into some of that today. As you all know, our early week podcast is a big picture podcast. Um, and producer Stats, who's upstairs, suggested, why don't we do like a, a, a Bad Beats Little segment. Now, and I think it's the perfect time, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's the first round of the fantasy playoffs. People won or lost based on probably our advice, probably their own decision making. It's their, you know, emphasis and their decision in the end. But, you know, we might have suggested them one way or the other. And so we put it out there on Twitter, asked for people's feedback. We got some good ones. Should we get into it? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's get into it. All right. First one comes from Josh Vitali, who I believe is a former Roto World guy, if I'm not mistaken. And, by the way, you can always check out the videos on the NBC Sports YouTube page if you want to follow along, because the tweets will be shown on screen. I will read them, though, for the audio people out there. Had the choice to replace Josh Jacobs with either Tyrell Williams or A.J. Brown. I went with Tyrell. That was the difference between being up by 10 and down by 15. Let me just go through the stat lines. Tyrell yesterday, uh, four targets, three catches, 35 yards. 
Meanwhile, Ian Harditz, A.J. Brown, had a <laughs> second breakout game of the season. Seven targets, five receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns, and looks like an absolute monster in just his rookie season. Still, though, these are two guys that have volume concerns. I don't, I don't love the call. Clearly, in hindsight, we can look back and say A.J. Brown, but, I mean, Tyrell Williams going in this year was one of, like, six receivers or something with averaging over 10 yards per target. So, I know it hasn't been so much in recent history since he's come back from his injury where he's, he hasn't really had these splash games, but, like, I don't want to say that A.J. Brown is just clearly the superior talent to Tyrell Williams because I think that's a little bit of a slight towards Tyrell. I think he's really good, too. You know, it's just tough here. Uh, I guess if you played a matchup game, like should you have targeted this Raiders secondary that we know so, is bad or a Titans secondary that was okay but pretty banged up? I, th I think that's a fun way to look at this, though, because just review it in terms of should we have seen this coming? Was this the right choice? Yeah, Why I, I not think it's hindsight? a toss-up. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a toss-up at all. First of all, I totally disagree with you. I think A.J. Brown is a far superior talent than Tyrell Williams. Yes. And maybe that's not fair to say, what, no, 14 games into his rookie season. But A.J. Brown, and we've said this, what, through – nine weeks through 10 weeks and now through 14 weeks, he's a rare mover. Like he's someone that isn't seeing tremendous volume. His highest target share of the season was eight targets this year. But A.J. Brown, every time he gets these big opportunities, he comes up massive for the Titans. I treated A.J. Brown in my leagues as well as a case-by-case -case basis. The thing is, Tyrell Williams versus A.J. Brown is not a case-by-case -case basis. That's an easy A.J. Brown. Because, yes, the volume concerns are there, but in those two cases, you easily bet on Ryan Tannehill who was playing well. Uh, you bet on a better offense. You bet against Derek Carr. Like There's just so many things I don't want to be on Tyrell Williams' side for that are working against him as opposed to A.J. Brown, who's like, okay, the better player. I'll just take him. I don't think it's as cut and dry as you guys are making it. The thing, though, with the Raiders, and I actually looked this up, Derek Carr has the second most time to throw this season and he's still not throwing down the field. Like, that's just who he is as a player. And Raiders fans got mad at me for saying that prior to the season and during the season because there were times when he was super efficient throwing down the field, but he was still like 30th it's, across it's the league. It's ever since that uh, 2017 back injury. Exactly. That over the second half of the season, he has not performed 20-plus yards deep well at all. And, I mean, he was still 30th in the league in attempts of 20-plus yards down mm. the field. Meanwhile, I think A.J. Brown can win intermediate. I think he can win vertically and then win the ball in his hands. He's still yards after catch. And the Raiders' defense is absolutely one we want to take advantage of each and every I'm week. I'm just saying, it's not like, let's look at some of A.J. Brown's past stat lines. Smash ball against the Buccaneers. Two catches, 11 yards, one touchdown. Versus the Chiefs with Corey Davis out. One catch, 17 yards, no scores. At the Colts, pretty decent spot. Four targets, three catches, 45 yards, no touchdowns. It worked out brilliantly this last week. I know the Raiders suck, but let's not pretend like A.J. Brown week in and week out has just been no, that's, absolutely that's dominant. Yeah, and that's, so. a, that's what I'm saying. It was a case-by-case -case basis, just in my opinion. Who had the higher ceiling? A.J. Brown. That's I'll give you guys that. And, and, I mean, if both their floors are the same, like, why aren't you going with a higher ceiling, I think is my argument. And, uh, and by the way, and the volume concerns are, were absolutely there for A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown was a wide receiver four. By no means was he a must-play. Ryan Tannehill still hasn't uh, attempted over, 29 pa over 27 passes in four straight games. But Ryan Tannehill now is apparently the best quarterback in the league, so it doesn't mm. matter. By the way, A.J. Brown has the Houston Texans twice in the final three weeks yeah. of the season. It's a must I know the Texans' too. defense has improved a little bit, yeah. but that's still a spot where we Remember feel comfortable playing. who we him. talked about like four weeks ago in our fantasy football playoff schedules? We oh. said go get those Titans wide receivers. Yep. Well, let's – and I'm putting the control room on the spot here, but let's actually shift over to another Titans versus other player conundrum. And this one comes from URL Defense. He played Patrick Mahomes over Ryan Tannehill. He'll survive, but from here on out, he wants to play Patrick Mahomes behind Ryan Tannehill. He wants to start Ryan Tannehill in his lineup, which 
prior to the season, if you had told me that in week 15 in the second round of the playoffs, I'm playing Ryan Tannehill over Patrick Mahomes, I would have thought you were crazy. But again, Heyman412 says that he's fully confident in these fantasy playoffs with Ryan Tannehill. I still think he's absolutely crazy. And here we are entering week 15. I mean, Tannehill is playing out of his mind. He's number one in the league in just yards per attempt. But he has now had seven starts. He's thrown 29, 33, 39, and then the last four, 19, 18, 22, and 27 passes. Like, it's amazing it's been working out this efficiently, but this can't keep up. It's mm. Patrick Mahomes still. Like, he didn't have a great game yesterday. He still threw for more yards against New England than any other quarterback this season. I mean, 283, the touchdowns weren't there because he hurt his thumb in the middle of the game, and he literally said afterwards he couldn't throw downfield as much as he wanted to. I mean, look, Tannehill's doing his thing, but I'm if – Patrick Mahomes is on the field. I am not shooting him as anything other than a top three quarterback. If you told me, yeah, in a vacuum, I would start Mahomes. But if I'm playing devil's advocate, I think there's enough there to warrant a Tannehill start. And I wouldn't do it. But I'm saying there's enough there, and that's why it's a, it is a fair question. Just because uh, Broncos defense has allowed, over 20, has allowed at least 20 points in four straight contests. Uh, they're playing with energy. They're playing better. They've found pieces in this lost season that they can move forward with on defense uh, at the safety position, at linebacker position. But either way, um, and also not only the injury you discussed for Patrick Mahomes, but also the Chiefs and Andy Reid historically have played slower and scored fewer points, at, uh, points in Kansas City. Um, the offense tends to uh, go a little more, put their foot on the gas whenever they're on the road. Hmm. So those are the things working in Tannehill's favor. But I'm still starting Mahomes. But it's not just this past <clears throat> week where he regrets. Seven, seven games. And yeah. I would even condense it down to four games. I mean, the last four games, because we care about touchdowns, we care about yards. In the last four games, Patrick Mahomes has just over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, and two interceptions go along with a rushing touchdown. Meanwhile, Ryan Tannehill has just over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception, and two rushing touchdowns. So, like, the sample size is a little bit larger than one week here. <clears throat> but at the same time, you most likely will get the Kansas City Chiefs here as home favorites. I don't know if the Titans are going to be home favorites against the Texans. Maybe they will be based on what we saw this past weekend. But one, more important than anything, because we get down to in these like individual matchups and decisions with their fancy lineup, I just love that the Titans are fun, dude. Yeah. And we talked yeah. about this on the Review Podcast, and I was a big Marcus Mariota fan coming out of Oregon. Uh, he never elevated his game once he got to the NFL, but he must have been awful, because nothing has really changed on this team. They still have the same playmakers. Sure, A.J. Brown is, you know, in week 14 versus week four, but Derrick Henry's still back there. The offensive line is still up and down at times. Corey Davis is... And, and Delaney Walker's out, but I, I mean, Ryan Tano is just making this offense work, and he's doing exactly what he wants to do, and he's going to reward himself with a big contract after the season because of it. My initial read, <laughs> I mean, I agree, he's getting a contract. We were trying to, we were arguing with one another how big the contract would be. You know, if Dak gets 25 to 30 million, if not more than that, then uh, Tannehill gets what? I guess 15 to 20. Dude, he's not going to get 15 million. It's going to be, gonna be 32 years old at it's the start fine. of next year. That's, 32 is not that old when we talk about quarterbacks. I guarantee you he won't get anything less than $20 million Ooh. per year. Are, are quarterbacks like the wrestlers nowadays? How about the loser? 34 this, and still extremely efficient? I don't know. Loser of this bet needs to buy a Tannehill jersey. <laughs> well, I think jerseys and jerseys just, just should not jerseys. be worn by adults.
unless oh. you unless you lose a bet off oh, the Oh, you just wear your sweaters with your non-logos. You're so much better than all of us, Josh. <laughs> um, no, but I quickly, my initial read when I was looking ahead last night was that that game is one of my favorites for going over the total this week, and it's already been bet up. 47.5 and bet up to 49 because uh, Tennessee secondary, I think, is one, given the context of who they played, has not been tested at all yet, and I think the Texans can absolutely burn them. And on the other side of the ball, Texans mm. defense, we saw them yesterday uh, against Drew Locke. They just have little will. They can just get pulverized over the middle of the field. So, again, that's another reason to play Tatehill, but I'm still starting my homes. Zach Kepler checks in with a bad beat of his own. He set Drew Brees to play Josh Allen in his dynasty league. I would have uh, done the same, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry had, I would have done the same, though. We had the preview episode of Roto World Live, Noon yep. Eastern, twitch.tv slash Roto World on Sundays. Um, and, you know, so many of us focused on that Saints defense versus the 49ers defense versus Saints offense versus 49ers offense. Ian, do you think we focused a little bit too much about the defenses heading into that game? It's easier to say because of how many points were scored by both, both teams, nearly 50 for both, and kind of lost sight of the strengths of these offenses, and more than the strengths, probably the play callers, because that's what stood out when I watched that game. The one thing maybe we didn't give enough credit is just how unstoppable this Saints offense usually is at home. And I think that one Falcons game where they got beat kind of threw us off that scent. But you look at the rest of the year, I mean, Breeze has gone 370 yards and two touchdowns, 373 and three, had the dud against Atlanta, then 311 and three, and then finally yesterday, 349 yards and five touchdowns, plus the one-yard rushing score at home. I mean, when they're in the Superdome, they are just so tough to stop. And, you know, the, the thing that was I went back to with Josh Allen, like why I was probably with him, Josh Allen over mm-hmm. Breeze in this too, was just the rushing floor yep. that we've seen game in and game out. And guess what? Yesterday was the first game in Josh mm-hmm. Allen's career he did not finish with double-digit rushing yards. So it's unfortunate the way it worked out. It was tough defenses either way. I mean, look, the 49ers, they gave up 291 yards to the Bengals, which was kind of like a fluky late-game John Ross touchdown. The Cardinals had 204 passing yards in Week 9. Those are the only times all season that teams have even cleared 200 passing yards. So, no, I think that we were okay in assuming the 49ers had a good enough defense to warrant downgrading Breeze. He just outperformed it. Uh, he was great. I mean, the fact he threw five touchdowns and Michael Thomas and Kamara only combined for one of those five. Uh, that's what was unexpected, that he got – Breeze got every single person involved, three touchdowns between Jared Cook and Dan Hill – or Josh Hill alone. Um, so, yeah, I don't – I definitely don't think we should have projected that type of performance. Right. Even over 250 yards and two touchdowns I thought was such a stretch. However, we did mention on the Sunday morning show that Shanahan had previously scored over 32 points in his past two contests against Sean Payton. So we were we weren't too concerned about the 49ers offense. So thus that should have led us to guess I believe hmm. that Breeze in a bad game script would have still thrown the ball a ton, but that was not expected at well, all. One thing that stood out to me was just how the play callers were outstanding. I mean, every single player had a potential for a highlight reel play, like had that spotlight moment. Like you talk about Raheem Mostert catching the pass from Emmanuel Sanders' throw in the backfield. You had Kyle Juszczyk running the option in the backfield. You had Jared Cook making two unbelievable catches on the first two drives for touchdowns. It stands out to me that Drew Brees was still able to operate and play at a very high level even when Jared Cook went out so early in this game because we've talked about it all the time how it really has been previously Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. But now adding in this Jared Cook factor is, is major. It's, yep. a, it's a big boost for the Saints offense. And then when he goes out, you still have a wide-open play to Ted Ginn. You have mm-hmm. Taysom Hill making plays. You have Traquan Smith Traquan making Smith, yep. the touchdown. I think that's a very good sign for Drew Brees and the Saints offense. 
It's also a great sign, though, for this 49ers team because, and Stats and Chris in the control room will like me saying this, but I think my criticism, skepticism of Jimmy Garoppolo in the first eight to nine so weeks was very warranted. I think it was because that was a team that very much relied on the defensive side of the ball and asked him just to make a couple of plays each and every game. And then you also could throw in a handful of mistakes that he was making. Now in the past few weeks, he's had to really make plays and he's had to carry this offense in stretches. And no more is that evident than facing a very good Saints defense that can get out of the passer, that can create small windows he has to passes through. And Jim Garoppolo st- stood up and, and stepped up in a big way. Kyle Shanahan helps him a ton. All right. We all know this. With that said, we got to give Jimmy G some credit for I just did. hitting the passes. I know. I know you are. I'm saying in general because a lot of people have been slandering the guy throughout the year. I know he has had bad stretches. But, you know, I think it makes sense that coming back from his injury that he would have a kind of a slow start to the season. And now he should be getting better. So we'll see if it persists in the playoffs. But, I mean, we saw Dak Prescott melt in this spot. We've seen good quarterbacks play very bad against the Saints this season, really just get, you know, overwhelmed by that pressure. And, again, They had good line play yesterday. Shanahan set them up for success, but to see them come through with that success and put up those numbers, I mean. To me, this just proves, just like the AFC, uh, the conference championship game is probably going to come down to whoever has the ball last, uh, Mm. just the last possession. No one will dominate. And it's still amazing that the past two weeks, the Niners have done this without Tevin Goldman, who's now just an afterthought. Uh, 21 total snaps the past two weeks, nine touches, eight carries in that span as Mostert has now grabbed the lead, who we talked about last week on the waiver wire as uh, just a flex option in a good offense. But he's clearly become an RB2-3 now suddenly. Real quick, I got one last thing on the Saints. Taysom Hill played a career-high 29 snaps yesterday. If he starts seeing this, like, almost 50 per- 40-50% oh, role, he's actually going to be a fantasy factor because they're force-feeding the ball as a runner, as a receiver, and all the time, like, he, I think he's got 17 targets this year and, like, four of them are for touchdowns because he's always in, like, on the red zone. I mean, it's – I don't know. I always considered him more of a vulture for Breeze, but nowadays it's more like of an issue for Thomas and Kamara. Well, remember this for building blocks because if they ever have a single-game flex slate – then uh, we can just load them up. Yes, yes. One final thing. Um, the, th- this game even had, like, the moments of, did that just happen? And in terms of penalties and non-calls, because there was one of the Taysom Hill, the fake punt, and I had no clue. Like, it's, it's interesting when you watch these games and you watch football for so long, and then you learn about new rules in the rule book. I like that rule, though. That you had never even heard about. Mm-hmm. And the one about the fake punt that if you're in a punt formation, there's basically no such thing as defensive holding or defensive pass interference. Outside the numbers. Outside the numbers yeah. because how can, you know, the, the person on special teams on the defensive side of the ball react to someone then turning into a wide receiver instead of being a gunner? They can't. Like, that's not fair to them. Yeah. And I wonder if Sean Payton knew that rule. I wonder if he thought that at that point the then defensive back didn't know that rule so he wouldn't play him that handsy. It, it was a moment in there which – it's just unpredictable and added just more layers on to this competition, which I hope we see again in the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game for sure. It's a good good rule, though, because other, otherwise the punter could literally just stand there, wait for contact to happen, and just throw the ball that way. So And George Kittle's just a beast. I mean, we didn't even bring up oh, George Kittle's oh, name in that entire gosh. conversation. But that play he made in the final stretch to create yards after catch is unbelievable, and he has just carried the torch from Rob Gronkowski for sure. All right, next up. We have Devin Conway. We had multiple people on Sunday Night Football lose on meaningless stats from Russell Wilson and Chris Carson. Devin Conway lost my playoff matchup by .1 because of that Russell Ugh. Wilson interception on the Seahawks' final drive. Buddy, we've all been there. The same thing 
can be said for Austin Lavelle as well, who lost his matchup because his opponent had Chris Carson on the final carry of the game and put up just, I believe, one or two yards in that moment to beat him in that fantasy matchup. Um, not going to ask you necessarily about Seahawks versus Ram, just Seahawks in general right now. Are you a little nervous? I mean, because the matchup did last night. I know it was in L.A., and I know that the Rams are coming off a get-right spot, Ian, against the Cardinals. But one, this Rams team kind of feels like they're back. And two, this narrow Seahawks offense kind of is threatening um, our, our ability to trust them more and more as it goes along. Real quick on the Russ Wilson bad beat. His opponent's name was Goldmember, so I think they have kickers in that league. <laughs> so I have no sympathy for this bad beat. If you're going to have those half-breeds in your league, kickers... kickers. Yes, get kickers out of your fantasy league. They don't deserve to be on the football well, field, so I'll be damned if they're going to be on my true, fantasy football field. by the way. Uh, take kickers out, replace it with the flex. It, so, al- it also makes strategy, like it awards people who work harder because uh, flex is a harder strategy than kickers are. Kickers, hmm. you just wait till the last round like a defense. And yeah, so if kickers are in your fantasy league, I have no respect for you. But anyway, back to the Seahawks. Um, it is a little bit concerning, but at the same time, like what we've seen is that their defense isn't good. or Yeah, it's not good, maybe average at best, and... We kind of knew that going in. I think it's just kind of been brought more to our attention these last two weeks. It's just been Russ in the passing game really not getting going. I mean, Tyler Lockett, it's now been, what, three or four weeks since we've actually seen really anything out of him. Metcalf's doing okay, but we're not really seeing these big explosive plays from anyone. And when, you know, when their whole passing game, and Collinsworth was talking about it last night, how, you know, Russ Wilson gets a snap, usually goes back eight or nine yards, and he can deal with the pressure better because he's more or less in the open field by that point. But... If you're not creating explosive plays, like, it's very hard to move downfield with that type of passing game. Uh, Chris Carson, you know, he's still breaking tackles and stuff, but not exactly been the most efficient, as we've seen uh, in this last week. And no Rashad Penny. Yeah, I think it's okay to have a little bit of concern. The Patrick Mahomes or Tannehill debate was a debate. Uh, Tannehill or Russ Wilson is not a debate. It's Tannehill, and it's very clear. Uh, Russell Wilson now, per Rich Rebar, has finished as the QB 16 or lower in six of his last seven games, and it's not his fault. I still think it's tied to an offense that wants to run the ball despite passing being their more efficient route to success. Uh, But they'll continue to pound Chris Carson, and, you know, who knows about Rashad Penny's injury. So it's just not something you really want to be tied to moving forward, unfortunately. I do want to bring up Chris Carson, and again, Austin Lavelle lost because of that final carry as he sent to us. <sighs> Look, we're just commiserating, all of us together. Forte, your old virgin's a good name, by the way. But Chris Carson, <laughs> I, I, if, if you had him in your lineup this week, it was only 76 yards, 15 receiving yards. But next week, he gets the Carolina Panthers. Oh, baby. Next he gets week, the Panthers. He can yep. be a semifinal winner for you because Chris Carson, I would be stunned if he doesn't get 20, t- 20 carries, at least maybe 22 touches. Oh, yeah. We know how awful this Panthers defense is. We know this past weekend. The Panthers' defense players on there actually criticized the coaching. Did you see this? Perry Fuel t- took over as the interim head coach mm-hmm. and the defensive play caller. And on multiple occasions, he sent a zero blitz. And that allowed Dante Jackson, James Bradford to be lined up one-on-one. And Alamedi Zacchaeus yep. yeah. responded with a 91-yard touchdown. Pronounced that correct, by the way. Alamedi Zacchaeus. Hey, Hold you pronounced on. it right. Close. Good job. Proud of you. Um, and it's because that. they have th- they're in one-on-one in Ireland against... You know, Matt Ryan, who's a quarterback that he can get it out just in the nick of time like he did in that play, and mm-hmm. boom, big plays. And that's just their pass defense. Run defense is even worse. 
So it would be surprising if Chris Carson's on a top five runner this weekend. I mean, it's tough to just stress how bad this run defense has been. Awful. They've allowed 24 rushing touchdowns. The Jaguars are at 19. No one else has allowed more than 15. I mean, teams are gashing them week after week. Remember, even when Carson had those uh, fumbling issues, he still was averaging 20 carries. He was still seeing uh, just over three targets per game. I was excited about starting Penny and Carson against the Panthers, but now you just get one of them and that person taking up the other one's workload. Like You should be very excited that you lucked into a Chris Carson full workload if you have him. That does it for Bad Beats. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. Let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Many people are unaware that driving while high can be just as dangerous. In 2015, 42% of drivers killed in crashes tested positive for drugs. Not so harmless after all, is it? And get this, from 2007 to 2015, marijuana users, marijuana use among drivers killed in crashes doubled. The truth is driving while high is deadly. So stop kidding yourself. If you're impaired from alcohol or drugs, don't get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message has been brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Let's move on over to John Daigle's waiver column. You can check out the full thing up on Roto World. Thousands and thousands of words, tears, blood, all that good stuff poured into it. Sweat. That Daigle. I guess I should have mentioned sweat as well. All right, Daigle, let's start off with Justin Watson, who, for all of you out there who do not know, he's a wide receiver for the Tempe Buccaneers. We're talking about him because Mike Evans caught one pass for 61 yards yesterday for a touchdown, then left immediately. And after that, Justin Watson caught five of eight targets for 59 yards and a touchdown. He's a bigger body wide receiver who was also athletic, who the team liked when they drafted him. And we now, all liked him when they drafted yeah, him. Yeah, and, and now might get more playing time in the final two or three weeks of the season. Rashad Perryman out-snapped Justin Watson, but we've been here before. Uh, you want to bet on Justin Watson's talent. Second-year pro, as you said, big body, 6'2", 215, 449, 40 time, a spark freak in the 91st percentile at the combine he tested. He took over in the second quarter for Mike Evans and then saw eight targets the rest of the way. Totaled five catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. And now they get the Lions' number 26 pass defense DVOA this upcoming week. This is an offense you definitely want to tie yourself to despite James Winston's comical errors weekly because they can support two, if not three, receivers. Good. So even O.G. Howard's increased usage the past two weeks doesn't matter whatsoever. Justin Watson and Chris Godwin can both be supported to have top ten ceilings this week. Key injuries to watch, not only Mike Evans, Scotty Miller too, because he was all, yep. he's been out with a hamstring injury. So if Miller gets back there, then that could add some uncertainty. But, yeah, if this is our three wide receiver set, there's at least a high ceiling. And the this final week, two weeks of the season, they yeah. face the Detroit Lions and they face the Houston Texans and then the Atlanta Falcons if you're still playing in week 17. Three secondaries we absolutely want to attack. Three defenses we absolutely want to attack. And waiver wires this week we're prioritizing like truly someone you can plug and play or stash as a winner because we've discovered some new news that's come up the past 24 hours. Uh, it's all about just winning the next two games in your fantasy league. Next up, DeAndre Washington, who's the backup running back to Josh Jacobs. We got word early Sunday morning that Josh Jacobs would not play because of the shoulder issue. That I believe that he told everyone that he fractured 
um, in week seven has been playing with it all season long. We have seen that Josh Jacobs is the identity of this team. We also have seen the Raiders get blown out in three straight weeks. But production-wise, DeAndre Washington saw a lot yesterday. 14 carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown, seven targets, six receptions, and 43 yards. You know, it was up in the air if DeAndre Washington or Jalen Richard would see more volume, but the answer yesterday was certainly Washington. Washington was the difference between a workhorse and a bell cow because Jalen Richard was still involved, but to minimal effect, which makes Washington the workhorse if Jacobs remains out. And uh, he definitely wants to get out there. Apparently he took a shot. They told him he couldn't play in the back, and he started crying because he wanted to play. But Washington in yesterday's game, 40 of 63 snaps, 14 of their 22 carries among the backfield, seven of their 10 targets among running backs, and two of their three touches inside the 10. That's a true workhorse that you definitely want to start as a strong RB2, actually, if Jacobs misses another game, especially because they get the Jaguars next week. Correct. Buddy, if you want to see oh, a team, buddy. if you want to see a team that has just packed their bags the moment they get off the plane, the Jaguars have just completely thrown in the towel. I don't like saying teams have quicks. I don't think the players are out there like not trying to. I see a team that just lost Miles Jack, doesn't have Ronnie Harrison. And yeah, once they get down a little bit, maybe things aren't going that great. But it's a very bad football team. And yeah. I don't know that. The, the, I think the players are still trying hard, is all I'm trying to say. And it's just a bad situation to be in. But That's fair, but also they're completely lost. They're not, yeah, they're not they're good whatsoever. I mean, I don't. Um, and then against the players quitting thing, I would tell you to go back and watch Ryan Finley start because that Bengals team had just literally quit the moment they took the field. But looking much better with Andy Dalton. Yeah. It's amazing what Andy Dalton can bring, I guess. I hear it. But no, like focusing on Raiders' backfield, I was surprised that Washington ended up being Super the shocked. guy because yep. entering Sunday, Richard had played 29% snaps this season and Washington was only at 17%. At the very least, I'm really shocked at how it panned out with the Raiders being in comeback mode yep. so much the game. That should have been Richard's pass down work. So Regardless, with the Jaguars, whose run defense has been a sieve all season, definitely want Washington, because even if it goes back to a 50-50 split, you want those rush times. You and I on the Sunday morning show picked Richard over Washington just in a vacuum, and I think that was the correct process yeah, skill. Just but just up. from what happened, we have to assume Washington's the guy you want just in case Jacobs is still out. Yep. Next up, we'll look at the Titans' backfield. We know that Derrick Henry dominates it. Um, Derrick Henry, though, somehow was able to still put up 100 yards, I believe, and two touchdowns despite a hamstring injury or cramp or a pull or whatever it was. He missed some time, and that meant that it opened the door for Deion Lewis for a couple of touches. Nine carries, 26 yards, just one target for five yards, and a 42-21 to 21 win over the Oakland Raiders. Dago, I'm assuming this is just a speculative ad, just in case Derrick Henry's hamstring is worse than we think. Yeah, this is not a guy you start unless Henry's ruled out for whatever reason. But remember, this is not a Sunday injury. This is a two-week injury. He left practice two weeks ago on a Wednesday randomly uh, with a hamstring injury, and we just thought, for better or worse, that it was already gone. Last week was limited on Wednesday, so he's been dealing with this now the entire time, and uh, it actually caught up to him finally this week, was in and out of the lineup. Deion Lewis got a season-high 10 touches because Henry wasn't on the field. It is clear Lewis is going to be a bell cow if Henry's out. He did say they have to cut off his leg uh, before he doesn't play. So I, I'm assuming he won't miss any time. But Lewis, at the very least, is a guy that keeps you active if your roster set because he should be owned or at least attempted to be rostered by anyone, no matter what your status is for the playoffs, because he is a league winner or can at least block one of your opponents from having a league winner. Yeah, I know Lewis is a smaller guy, so people might think he can't handle this three-down 
workload, but people forget, like last season, until the last five weeks, Henry was playing behind Deion Lewis yes, for a good amount. I mean, Deion Lewis had seven games with at least 15 touches last season, even though Derrick Henry did not miss a single game. So, yeah, I mean, truly a league winner because yeah. we can actually be confident that he will get a three-down But the Patriots, remember, he was just one of the most elusive backs in the league. Oh, definitely and on the Patriots, too. I'm just saying, like, yeah. we also have evidence that this coaching staff is okay featuring him totally. in that role. We opened with A.J. Brown in this podcast, so it's only fitting if we close with A.J. Brown. He will make your waiver list this week. Go and check that out on Roto World, by the way. Seven targets, five receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. What else do we need to say about A.J. Brown? I mean, he is, if there is at all an alpha receiver on the Titans, it's him. The issue is he's not getting Michael Thomas volume, right? He's not getting Julio Jones volume. Like, again, at most, he's getting eight targets in a game this year has two games of also seven targets, but I just wish he was getting more. But as we've just discussed, the running game is the foundation for the Titans, and at least Ryan Tannehill is being super efficient in the passing game as well. The, Corey Davis is still out there, obviously, but the past two weeks alone, A.J. Brown has actually worked ahead of Corey Davis as the number one receiver. Uh, and this week, especially in a game we talked about earlier that I think is going to go over the total, a great, a great matchup. Um, I, I just am not worrying about volume concerns as I, am, as I have with him in the past. Uh, volume concerns are still there, but he's clearly proven he's a bet-on-talent player, yeah. and I'm finally willing to bet on him in this matchup and the fantasy playoffs as a wide receiver three. It also does help his volume that Adam Humphreys was out yesterday with an ankle injury, so if that keeps up, you can have a little more confidence sure. with it. A couple things. This wide receiver group is shaping up to be really, really nice from this rookie year. Yep. Uh, you have Marquise Brown, you have Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson. I'll even throw out Darius Slayton's name in there, sure. Terry McLaurin. Obviously, that's a really, really good group because it does take a little bit of time for rookie wide receivers to make an impact. And hasn't taken them any time. Daigle, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that A.J. Brown has a chance of being the most talented of that group. He truly is. He, he has rare moments. Mm -hmm. I think Terry McLaurin also has rare moments. Maybe Marquise Brown does at times, too. Maybe D.K. Metcalf every once in a while. But in the limited amount of opportunities he's had, A.J. Brown's just made a highlight reel of plays in just his rookie year. Who else was on the team? D.K. Metcalf and uh, who was their third receiver? They had a slot receiver, and he was just fine. I can't remember. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't drafted. I, either way, I agree with you. I'm more looking forward to next year, though, because we're truly entering the golden era of wide receivers. Because yeah. if this next 2020 class pans out, like every single team should have a stud number one because that class is supposed to be even better than this one, which is spectacular. And we haven't even mentioned guys like Nikhil Harry, who's obviously a first-round pick. Yep. Maybe Paris Campbell can turn around, Andy Isabella. Preston Williams undrafted. Yeah. yeah. So there, there, there was a lot of well. talent yeah. in this past wide receiver draft. And, again, I think A.J. Brown might be the best of the bunch. All right. Sure. That does it. Go check out Daigle's waiver column. Ian Harditz will have other content throughout this week. So will we. We'll be back on Thursday and Friday this week with previews, with starts and sets, just getting ready for your second round of your fancy playoffs. We want mm -hmm. you to win. That's what we're here for. Always. It's our job to help you win. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much. Talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.